What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer Podcast. And I know it's early. It is 7.30 a.m. right now, but we are live on Millions. Um, while we're talking about Millions, I do want to mention our merch that we've got up. You have until January the 8th to buy a reigning defending t-shirt, hoodie, or t-shirt for your kids before those come down. So if you want one, go ahead and grab it soon. Um, tonight we are going to spend a couple minutes recapping the games that we talked about last week that have already happened. Arizona, Oklahoma do play tonight. Um, but, and we're going to talk about the, uh, non-playoff New Year's Six Bowl games in this episode. But before we get into that, how was your Christmas and what are you drinking? Uh, Christmas is good. Um, we're, uh, the whole family's up here, my wife, kids, all that to see, uh, See my family for the holidays. Uh, it's been been very very busy, and uh, actually not really drinking yet. We're gonna save that for the uh, the Peach Bowl and the uh, Lions game afterward. But uh, yeah, man, just super super busy. Um, but uh, how about you? It was good. It was good. No, um, my so both of my nephews have been sick for like the last three weeks before Christmas, but they both got better, stopped running fevers, all that kind of stuff like two or three days before Christmas. So we were able to actually go um, spend Christmas morning with my nephews. We've done that since um, since my oldest nephew was born. Like, he's, in, he's five now, so it's been five years we've been doing that. That's one of my favorite things to do at Christmas right now, um, at least over the last five years, being able to be a part of that and see see that and this year uh both of my nephews were were there and uh my youngest nephew is literally like 15 months old but the amount of personality he's got and just running around he got a spider-man robe and he refused to take it off i thought it was the cutest thing (laughs) it is though christmas morning with the kids are all is always awesome I do have I do have another energy drink because while I am uh, adult age to make adult money, I am not a real adult yet. So, Same. Yeah. <laughs> is what it is. Um, yeah. I do want to say that if you hear um, something in the background this morning, my wife's alarm clock is going off because I am recording before she's even getting up for work. Um. And I think as far as this radio station's playing goes, I think I might be like the guy from Fight Club and imagining this whole thing because <laughs> it's the wildest radio. I don't know what it is. I've never heard it anywhere else, but it's just ghetto folks arguing every morning, every morning. Like one day they'll be yelling Bible verses at each other. This morning, there was a guy talking about how he was a pimp in the 80s, and now he makes rap music. I don't get it. I really don't. I think I think it's a fever dream. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm actually dead. And for some reason, this is, you know, my uh, near-death experiences hearing this radio station every morning. But if you hear something, that's what it is. It's, and if you if you hear anything on if you hear anything on my end, I'm uh, I'm sitting on my parents' front porch, so there's a airplane going over us right now, and then there's you know, cars going by. So apologize for any background noise that you may hear. Um, what are the odds of a shooting close by at seven forty one in the morning? Well, 
what's what's wild is the other day I, I think it was the day day after Christmas there was a shooting at the gas station that I had that's like right by my parents' house. This guy got in a fender bender and then got out and shot the guy that uh, that witnessed it in the head and then shot him again inside the gas station. Then the police actually killed the guy that was doing all the shooting and stuff. So pretty pretty crazy. I had been to that gas station a couple of times or near it a couple of times since uh since we got here. So it's pretty pretty wild, just indiscriminate shooting and stuff. So I would say it it's it's more than zero. See, for all the people that were like, man, John really hates on Detroit way too much. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's because of that. And also, Mike's brother tells uh, tells him stories that he tells me as a, um, your brother works with crime scene cleanup or something like that, right? Yeah, with the uh, medical examiner's office. He goes to, goes to scenes and stuff. But yeah, there's some wild some wild stuff like the stuff they talk about in the news is pretty uh, PG compared to what actually goes on. You know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I hear those stories from Mike and then he gets up there and like the next day there's a shooting at the gas station right down the street from his parents' house. It's not that I hate Detroit for no reason. I don't hate Detroit, but I hear these stories and think, why do people live there or want to go there? It's exhilarating. Um, we are going to get into the recap real quick. Um, little inside the park baseball here. We are about to record our playoff episode. It's pretty much the same thing as soon as we're done here. So we are going to try and get through this fairly quick. Um, so recap, we told y'all that Kansas USC or UNLV game was going to be fun. That was a ton of fun. So much offense. Uh, Kansas ended up 18 penalties for 216 yards and still had, what was it, 49 points? That's insane. Big 12 at Big 12. In. Well, they called it Big 12 after dark at one point. <laughs> that's perfect. I mean, that's that's the, the perfect description for it, for sure. Yeah. No, I... It, it was a ton of fun that game was. Um, I will say that if you, uh, with those penalties, it it really felt like a lot of them were tic-tac-y penalties that really shouldn't have been called. Um, it was almost like they threw a flag on every play and then just were like, hey guys, what are we going to say this time? Like, what, what, what's up? We got, we got to have something. We threw a flag. Let's come up with it. Uh, holding, yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things where, like, yes, holding takes place on every play, both offensive and defensive, and they were just like, throw the flag. Um, all right, Kansas on offense, fifty twos on the offensive line. Him, <laughs> everybody it, gets. Flag. It was ridiculous, and then there was a point where I'm pretty sure it was this game. Kansas punted running into the punter. There was a fight downfield, mostly by the UNLV players. And somehow they didn't let Kansas accept the running into the punter penalty and all the others offset, even though UNLV was throwing punches and Kansas was just kind of like pushing people. But everything offset and UNLV still got the ball. And it's like, what? I really feel like there's something going on here because that was yeah. 
one of the wildest turn of events I've ever seen. <laughs> um, how how long did that game end up running for? Because of, of all that penalties and scoring, I imagine it went like six hours. It was it was probably close to four. It was probably close to four. Okay. Good lord. Yeah, with a running clock, but you can't continue to run a clock if um, if you're throwing a flag on every play. So yeah, the refs the refs don't even like that rule. Apparently, they just want to keep the clock stopping every play. They want to do extra work. They just want to keep working. Um. So. Jalen Daniels, Kansas quarterback, did not play in this game. He's been out quite a bit this season. So if you didn't watch the game, here's a one-sentence recap. Their their backup quarterback, his name is Bean. Bean was flicking <laughs> it all over the place. As one would. Yeah. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, we're going to hit on the uh, West Virginia UNC game real quick that was i think that was a fun game to watch last last night um i think west virginia should be on the uh big 12 favorites list going into next season i I understand unc was without like half of the team 12 starters out but the way that west virginia was able to absolutely dominate in all three phases of the game they had special teams touchdowns special teams turnovers they had seven or eight sacks by the end of the game had multiple turnovers on defense, and then scored 37 points. Like, what part of that is not a dominant win? I don't care how the other team is without starters or if their defense wasn't good. That sort of win is a statement going into next year when you return most of your team. And I think we uh, we need to mention, too, remember last year with West Virginia, that J, um, JT Daniels was their quarterback, and, you know, they looked awful last year, and that's kind of part of the reason why they had such a low or dim outlook for this season. So, like, it seems like once J- uh, JT Daniels leaves the team or isn't a quarterback anymore, they go on a run. 2021 Georgia, 2022 Georgia, if you want to consider that, because JT started a few games in 21. Um, obviously, West Virginia this year, um, season after JT left, and then Rice – just put on an offensive explosion the other day too. So teams are just better. JT Daniels just unites a team a lot when he's when he's not playing or off the team. Yeah, and so with him retired from football now, I wonder if he's just going to immediately roll into a coaching job at Rice. Maybe that was part of the deal with him coming there because I know that kind of happens with with guys, especially grad transfers, is roll into it, get a get a. a GA job. I mean, the guy started for three Power Five teams. One, he was a part of teams that won ten games in three of his six seasons. I, I mean, he's got <laughs> so, uh, a lot of experience at the college level. I don't, I don't think any team would be worse off having him as a grad assistant or some sort of coach. Yeah, especially he's done it in all parts of the country. He's done it West Coast, East Coast, if you want to consider Georgia East Coast, as we technically are, um, West Virginia, so mountains, and then uh, in the middle of nowhere in Texas. So he's been everywhere, man. JT Daniels, who that uh, who that Johnny Cash song was actually about. Yeah, <laughs> he saw the future. Um, 
I will say, going back to West Virginia for a second, is the Arizona West Virgi- at West Virginia game next year going to be the game of the Big 12? Game of the year. It has early vibes for that. I'm um, I'm curious as to where that's going to be because that might that's going to make a big big difference. It's at West we'll Virginia. To... Ooh. They don't have a date yet for it, but I don't know if it matters. No. Hmm. That's gonna be good. Note it. Put in the notes app. Come yeah. back and go back and definitely talk about that one. Um. So I think we're going to go ahead and jump into talking about bowl games. So what we did is last week, we interviewed as many people as we could. Go ahead and spoil a little bit for you. Some of these uh, teams and games, we just couldn't line it up with schedules between Christmas and traveling to get interviews done with some of these teams. But we got got half of the New Year's Six games, including playoff games, interviews with... um, so, Cotton Bowl, we do have one for, and we're going to go ahead and put the audio version of that interview in for Spotify right here. All right, so now we have Adam Spencer joining us again from Saturday Down South to, uh, to talk about this Cotton Bowl matchup between Missouri and third place in the Big Ten uh, and Ohio State University. So, first off, we want to congratulate you and the rest of Mizzou fans on a phenomenal and uh, probably surprising season. Um, is there any part of you that thought that Mizzou would do what they did this year? Uh, no. <laughs> Simple <laughs> answer. Uh, I was among the many. I, You know, I thought that I was being one of the more optimistic media people by – saying like look like they were being picked sixth in the sec east and i was like guys they're gonna finish at least fifth because they just don't finish sixth or seventh they've only done it like once since they joined the sec like they're they're usually in that three four five range uh so you know i was pretty confident they'd be fourth or fifth in the sec east this year i thought that meant like six and six or seven and five uh so yeah i mean that's been just what a wonderful season you know i was about to give up on them during that Kansas State game when Eli Drinkwitz made the dumb uh, decision and uh, the the terrible, terrible penalty that pushed uh, Harrison Mevis back. But Mevis made that kick, and I think that that kick really changed the trajectory of the entire season, and they, they just took off from there. So, I mean, and now Christmas has come early. You know, you got the Oklahoma linemen that committed. You got the the top uh, – the top – high school recruit from Arkansas is coming to Missouri. So, you know, it's, it's been great. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that that continues into the future. Yeah. They, um, Darius Smith, former Georgia outside linebacker just committed to Mizzou too. I think, man, the, the presents just keep on coming. Then that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So what's, what was the major difference between the 2022 team and this team? There are two, major differences that I'll point to both offensively because the defense started to turn a corner last year under uh, Blake Baker. And that just continued this year. They weren't as good this year, but they were still very good. Um, that was important. So the two biggest things came on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the minor one, uh, just moving Luther burden into the slot, which, uh, was, you know, fast tracked a little bit by, uh, 
y'all taking uh, Dominic Lovett from us. Uh, so, you know, that, but that allowed Luther Burden to shift into the slot where he's just almost impossible to guard. And then uh, got Oklahoma's Theo Weiss Jr., who's just more of a true X. Like Luther Burden can play any spot on the field. Like he could be a decent quarterback if that's what the team needed him to do. But, you know, he's not a true X. And Theo Weiss, being out there it just helped both of them really unlock their potential and you know having cody schrader on the ground uh you know was also a big boost um but the most important thing is that eli drinkwitz brought in an offensive coordinator kirby moore and kirby moore was incredible uh he he unlocked those players you know they they figured out how to make brady cook a top five quarterback in the sec uh they they made cody schrader like i mean he's he should have been a borderline Heisman contender with the numbers that he put up. Um, and just taking that burden off of Eli Drinkwitz because Eli's offense and his play calling was growing a bit stale and frustrating Mizzou fans. So hiring Kirby Moore, not only did they hire an offensive coordinator, but they hired the right one. Right. I think, I think if I'm remembering right, Cody Schrader finished seventh in Heisman voting. Yeah, I mean, he should have almost been top five. I mean, he, he yeah, was no, that's an insane. Argument. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Ollie Gordon, you know, should have maybe finished a little higher too. Those guys were just great this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what a journey for the former walk-on or Division two guy who was, you know, a walk-on. Yeah, that what was that, the best favor Eli Drinkwitz has ever done for somebody? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a bad night. You know, he got to – do an in-home visit with Luther Burden and then go have cocktails with a booster and learn about uh, Cody Schrader. So, uh, yeah, pretty big day from Mizzou there. Yeah, possibly the most successful day over their last few years was, was <laughs> exactly. an in-home visit. Exactly. Um, so just, just to kind of quantify what we were talking about, they went from 86th in the country to 25th in points per game, scoring uh, – 31 and then defensively moved from 56 to 42nd. So both sides of the ball have gotten better, but offense made a drastic jump. Um, so to compare offenses um, between Mizzou and Ohio State for this game, and Ohio State already has a lot of opt outs and potentially a few more. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, but Ohio State is going to be without uh, Honda, I mean Kyle McCord, and Julian Fleming, and may also mm. be without Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, and Cade Stover, along with pretty much their entire defensive line. Um, just tells you Ryan Day's lost control of the program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I would be shocked if Marvin Harrison Jr., played in this game i mean there's no reason for him to he's going to be a top five pick in the draft i mean there's just like and i you know i'm really you know i would push him to not play just for mizzou fan the mizzou fan in me of course i don't want him lining up on the other side but also just i mean i want to see that guy on sundays i want to see him make a lot of money uh he's going to be great in the nfl just like his dad was so yeah, the and you know when you can get rid of Ohio State's defensive line, you know the Bosa's, the you know Chase Youngs of the world, all those guys that uh, have gone through that program lately. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a huge boost, and Mizzou has pretty much 
everybody playing. You know, there might be a couple opt-outs here or there, but uh, Luther Burden's not draft eligible. Um, Brady Cook's going to come back. Cody Schrader would probably rather die than not play. So, you know, I think he, he'll be in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's um, – if, if all the offensive linemen play, you know, I, I wonder about, you know, Javon Foster, who we're going to be seeing on Sundays next – next year i wonder about him but uh you know if if it's this mizzou offensive line against ohio state's backups then like that's a major advantage and we can probably expect to see a lot of uh cody schrader in that case oh for sure um so to compare some stats offense to offense uh third down conversion mizzou is at 31st in the country at 44 percent Ohio State is 18th, but they're only at 45%, so very marginal marginal difference there. Uh, fourth down percent, Mizzou is 12th at 66%. Ohio State 62nd at 52%. Um, Ohio or Mizzou did have quite a few penalties this year, coming in at 84th in the country, 55.75 yards per game. Ohio State 29th with 43 and a half. Um, Mizzou was, if you look at the eye test, drastically better than Ohio State this year as far as total offense goes, averaging 442.9 yards per game with Ohio State 36th at 426. Um, Mizzou 52nd at rushing offense with 169 yards per game. Ohio State 85th with 142. Um, and then Mizzou was 29th in passing offense, 273 yards per game. And Ohio State somehow made 21st at 282 yards per game. I feel like the one number that kind of sticks out the most there is Mizzou having the 52nd rushing offense. But with how good Cody Schrader was and Brady Cook with his legs at times, is there a little bit of context that needs to be added to that? I mean, I think that the context there is that uh... – it's all Cody Schrader. I mean, you, you know, you see Michigan and they have, uh, you know, they have Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards uh, and, you know, JJ McCarthy contributes there too. Uh, you know, you have um, just, you know, a team like Oregon that has Bo Nix. That's a better runner than, uh, than Brady Cook, Brady Cook can run it. Don't get me wrong, but you know, uh, you get LSU, Jaden Daniels and, uh, and Diggs there uh, who both can really run it. Uh, so this is just, simply like you know of those 169 yards per game i mean like 140 of them are cody schraders so i mean that's he's he's just dominant on the game the the number that i think stands out and the the one concern that i would have about mizzou entering this game is those penalty yards just so we i referenced the kansas state game earlier just so many dumb penalties that just put them in bad situations and it just seems like every time if you watch, like, if you if they hit like a thirty or forty yard pass down the field, they get up to the line and you can almost count on a false start. It, it's just so then you make a big play and then you're immediately first and fifteen, and it's just annoying. It's frustrating. It's the next step that is going to take Mizzou from a really good program to a great program. It's just cutting down those dumb errors. I mean, you know how crazy those penalties drive Nick Saban at Alabama and Kirby Smart at Georgia you know those guys blow their gaskets on the sideline every time there's something like that happens so I mean that's the next step for Mizzou just eliminate shooting yourself in the foot Um, that's the one concern that I'd have about the Cotton Bowl is if they just put themselves in bad situations too often 
I got you. I got you. So, if there is, uh, you know, one guy or a couple of guys that need to have an A plus game to beat Ohio State, which guys are we looking at there? I think it's uh, Theo Weiss and uh, you know maybe a couple of the other um, receivers, you know, Mookie Cooper and and some of those other guys that aren't Luther Burden. You know, Ohio State having a month to prepare for. Uh, from Missouri, you know, they're going to be looking at that Kentucky tape. Kentucky limited Luther Burden. They really did a good job of making sure that Brady Cook had to go to his other options. And Brady Cook did. And that's what won them that Kentucky game and got that, you know, that weight off of our shoulders because we've lost some incredibly frustrating games to Kentucky, including last year when the tackle box for the punter and like extended to the moon for some reason. Um, just so just that game was something, you know, they'll be looking at what uh, what Kentucky's defensive backs did with uh, did with Luther. And, you know, I, I think that he'll still be a factor in the game. But, uh, you know, I would if they're going to focus so much attention in stopping Luther Burden, you can't you know, you can't double team both Theo Weiss and Luther Burden. And if they do, I mean, they're tight in uh, Norfleet. He's really come on lately. I think he made the all freshman team for the SEC. So they do have some other pass catchers developing and it's, so it's just going to be about Brady cook, just trusting the offense, trusting the play calls, being able to go through his reads. That'll be easier with, like you said earlier, you know, maybe Ohio state is without its entire defensive line. I mean, at the very least they'll be severely depleted there. So he, he should have time to go through his reads and make the right decisions. And uh, that's the key to the game is those non Luther bird and wide receivers. So, if we're going to move on to the defense real quick, uh, we'll do the same thing we did, but with the offense, go through some some numbers. Um, so, Mizzou's red zone defense allowed points 82% of the time, uh, good for 57th in the country. Ohio State 17th um, at 76%. But, you know, we did talk to somebody with um, – we talked to somebody yesterday about the Ole Miss-Penn State game, and I feel like every Big Ten defensive stat needs to have in there that they only four or five of the teams averaged 25 points a game on offense, so the offenses that they played weren't that good. Um, for scoring defense, Mizzou 41st at 22.33 points per game, Ohio State second at 11 points per game. Um, rushing defense, Mizzou was 30th with 125 yards per game. And Ohio State 22nd, 112 yards a game. Passing defense, Mizzou 63rd at 222 yards per game. Ohio State 1st at 147. Um, turnover margin, Mizzou was 12th at plus 9. Ohio State 75th at minus 1. And then time of possession, Mizzou 61st with 30 minutes even. Um, and then Ohio State 67th at 29 minutes. So which one of those stats stands out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, that turnover margin is like almost entirely interceptions, too. Um, they, Mizzou is very much due for some uh, positive regression in terms of fumble recoveries. Um, so they just were not getting any bounces. They forced some fumbles. They just didn't recover a lot. And like that's just one of those 50-50 things that – 
you know, the ball bounces one way or the other and, uh, you know, these things even out over time. So Mizzou is kind of, you know, I, that's surprising to me that they were plus nine with that. That also shows how much they took care of the ball offensively. Um, but yeah, that plus nine mostly comes from the secondary, which has made a lot of plays. Um, yeah. So I, I think if the ball hits the ground for Ohio state this time around, maybe, uh, maybe Mizzou is in some more fortuitous positions to, to get some of those fumble recoveries that have eluded them so far this year. So who on the defensive side of the ball, do we need to keep an eye out for, um, for this game? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see if he plays or not, because he's one of the guys that I could see potentially opting out Chris Abrams drain the, uh, the cornerback. Uh, you know, he could have been a day two pick in last year's NFL draft. He came back to school. I think he wanted to prove that in addition to being a good cover corner and, you know, being in the right positions, he could get some interceptions and he has gotten some interceptions this year. So he's added that he's checked that box for the NFL. Um, if he tests well at the combine, he could sneak into the latter part of the first round. So, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, uh, if he's out there and he's going against, you know, the non-Egbukas, non-Flemings, non-Marvin Harrison juniors of uh, Ohio State's offense against a backup quarterback, you know, he could really make himself a lot of money if he's able to snag a couple picks in this game and really help Mizzou put uh, a stamp on this game. So uh, he's he's a guy that I'm that I'm looking at just to really show what he can do. What are you most confident in? the Tigers doing well against Ohio state. I'm, I'm confident in, in Cody Schrader. I mean, just, I've believed in him all season. Uh, he's just, he seems to get stronger as the game goes on. And I mean, maybe he's getting tired, but maybe he's just getting tired at a slower rate than the defense, uh, that has to tackle him and deal with Mizzou's offensive line. So, I mean, with the, with the opt outs on Ohio state's defense, I'm very confident that we're going to see him go for, at least a hundred yards. They're going to feed him the ball. They're going to, you know, do what they can to really control the time in this game and, uh, and just keep the Ohio state offense off the field. So I, I'm looking, I'm very confident that Cody Schrader is going to end his Mizzou career on a very high note. And this is not in the outline, but if you had to uh, put the line on his touchdowns for the day, what would you set it at? I mean, I would, <laughs> that's a tough one because, you know, if you set it at 1.5, then a lot of people are going to take the under. If you set it at two and a half, or if you set it at 1.5, a lot of people are going to take the over. If you set it at 2.5, a lot of people are going to take the under. So I'd probably set it right at 2.0 even. And, you know, if you want to bet against him getting to, like you could do that if you want to bet for him getting three. I just wouldn't, if I was a sports book, I just wouldn't want to risk setting that line at 1.5 because I think he's going to have two. Yeah, no, that, that's kind of where I was at. I was going to say if it's at two, I'm not touching it because I think that's, I mean, with the way he's played this season, I think he could have two in the first half, but it really just depends on what Ohio State's able to do. If yeah, he can it, do anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I would set it at two and just hope that nobody picks it because <laughs> I think that's exactly what he's going to do is two touchdowns. 
So what is the thing that concerns you the most about this game? Uh, we discussed it a little bit earlier and just uh, the penalties are a big thing, just shooting themselves in the foot after such a great season. Um, you know, the if you ask any Mizzou fan, we're just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, you know, it's it's been it's been a rough uh, a rough fandom to say the least, and it just seems when things are going well and you get your confidence up to a a high point, then things come crashing down. So, you know, my another concern would be just you know you go into this bowl game against a very short-handed Ohio State team, and for whatever reason, just you lose convincingly. I mean, I think that that would be very, very bad for the program moving forward if if they can't at least, like, for recruiting purposes, even if you beat a depleted Ohio State team, you're still going into recruits' houses and saying, look at this, we beat Ohio State, we can hang with the big boys. Like, that's how you're recruiting it, even if Marvin Harrison doesn't play, even if the defense doesn't really play. So it's so important that they win this game that I'm just nervous that like they're gonna do what previous Mizzou teams have done and uh, come crashing down to earth a little bit. So, kind of hitting on next year a little bit. How are you feeling about next year's team? You know, I, it is December twentieth, but you know, early signing days and in the middle of going on, um, transfer portal's been open. How are you feeling about next year's team, and what are your expectations? I'm feeling very fairly confident. And I think that they need to do a little bit of work on the defense through the portal. I think they need to bring in some, some uh, more guys like uh, like the the Georgia linebacker that you said just committed. Uh, I mean that's that's a good that's a good addition. Um, I think that you know getting Caden Green from Oklahoma, he's just a massive offensive lineman. That'll help. Uh, that'll help like replace Javon Foster, who like I said we're going to be seeing on Sundays. They've got another running back through the portal who was really good in the Sun Belt. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they'll be able to find uh they won't find Cody Schrader. I mean Cody Schrader, what he did this year was special, but I think that they can find a running back or two to sort of replace that production as long as they keep their offensive line the same. You get you get Brady Cook back, you get Luther Burden back. So I mean I, I think that the offense is going to be really good. I my my expectation would be uh, a floor of eight wins. I, I think that that's fair at this point after winning 10 this year, you know, they had a couple games that, uh, you know, could have been coin flips that Kansas state game included. Um, but, you know, so even if they regress a little bit, I, I think that it's going to be important that they win at least eight games in, uh, in 2024. And I think that they can do it. I think that they have the pieces in place to do that. And Kirby Moore should be coming back. And that's, that's a really good start. All right, before before we get out of here, are you uh, are you up to pick some pick these New Year's Six games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I'm gonna give you the spread, but we're just asking for a straight up pick. We'll start with uh, Georgia, who are 14 point favorites against Florida State. I've been disappointed in the opt outs at Florida State. You know, I'm not gonna go rant on them like uh, Chris. Mad Dog Russo did on ESPN this week, you know, just blasting them. I'm not going to, you know, try to play with their their money and their wallets that uh, they're going to get by opting out. But I was kind of hoping that Florida State would, uh, would really want to make a statement against Georgia. And, you know, if they come out 
I've, I've said on the record in some of my radio appearances recently that like if Florida state came out and had all their guys and they beat Georgia, I wouldn't mind them claiming a share of the national title. I mean, I think that they would have a more legitimate case than UCF did a few years ago. So, yeah. you know, we could just let, we could just have Florida be the land of claimed national titles, you know, while, uh, while the rest of the country is busy winning actual ones. But, uh, you know, I, I think that I, so I've been disappointed in some of the opt outs. I think Georgia wins this game. I think, you know, Kirby smart will have them ready to play. And, uh, you know, Carson Beck's already said he's coming back next year. So, so I'm going Georgia. All right. Um, Liberty versus Oregon and the ducks are favored by 17. And I think they cover that pretty easily. I mean, you know, so just what I was saying about Florida State, you know, I think that uh, the committee made the right choice by by leaving Florida State out as much as it sucks that they were left out. I think that was the right choice because, you know, just going undefeated and being a conference champion. Well, Liberty did that. Right. So should they have been in, you know, that, so that if, if your argument for Florida state is they were undefeated conference champion, then, you know, then, okay, well then the four should have been Michigan, Washington, Florida state and Liberty, but nobody thinks that Liberty with their 133rd out of 133 strength of schedule should have been in there. But, uh, you know, so then once, once you admit there that strength of schedule is important, well now Alabama and Texas leap Florida state in a big way. So yeah, Liberty doesn't belong in a new year's six bowl game with that strength of schedule um oregon's gonna win by like 20 at least yeah i was um i'm not sure if you're familiar with grace and weir um writes a lot of old miss stuff writes for yeah. bible uh, yeah we were talking to him yesterday about the old miss game that we'll get to here in a second but i was telling him i think smu and oregon would have been a more fun game to watch absolutely i'd agree with that i think even you know like tulane and and Oregon or, you know, there's any number of teams in the group of five that would have been more interesting than Liberty, I think. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that Ole Miss game, we got Ole Miss versus Penn State, who's currently favored by three and a half. I mean, I'm taking Ole Miss in this one. I, I, I don't see why Penn State should be favored by that much. Um, yeah, I, I like Ole Miss. Uh, Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins, those guys coming back. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin's gonna you know they've won 10 games before and then they lost that sugar bowl where matt corral got injured i think he's gonna be eager to get to uh, 11 wins and uh, take that next step and then compete for a spot in the 12 team playoff next year i agree um so we got washington versus texas who's favored by four and a half yeah i mean this is the toughest one in my opinion to pick i would probably you know, I, this is the one that I wish we were picking against the spread because I don't know who's going to win straight up, but I would take the points with Washington, you know, give me them to, you know, keep it close, uh, you know, four or three. Uh, I, I think right now the way I'm leaning, I would probably go Washington to win straight up. So, I mean, I we'll see how things progress with, with like Xavier Worthy and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and give me Washington. What the heck? Um, last one before we get to the Mizzou game, Alabama versus Michigan, who's favored by one. I think Alabama's going to win the whole thing. So, uh, I, I have not been impressed by JJ McCarthy, you know, going back to a point that you made earlier about, uh, you know, the, the big 10 defenses facing those offenses. Well, I mean, you know, JJ McCarthy beat up on a Liberty-esque, uh, non-conference schedule 
and then played some of those Michigan played some of those teams that just stunk in the Big Ten this year. And then we saw down the stretch, you know, that Penn State game, he he only threw like twice in the second half and they held on for a win. But, uh, you know, he, he didn't impress me against Maryland. He didn't impress me against Ohio State. So, you know, those were three of the better teams in the Big Ten this year. I'm, so I think Alabama has a quarterback edge with Jalen Milrow over J.J. McCarthy. And, uh, you know, the way that that Alabama defense has come on of late, the way the offensive line improved throughout the season. I mean, I'm taking Alabama in this one and the next one. It hurt to hear a little bit, but I can't believe <laughs> anything you said. Yeah, I mean, and I think that this would be uh, if you if you injected some truth serum into Nick Saban, I think that if Alabama with this team wins the the national title, I think he would say that this one would be the most satisfying, and uh, you know, it could just because of the development that this team has had over the year instead of uh, you know some of those other teams that were just juggernauts from day one. Yeah, I know, and I, I think I said this sometime on the air in like July or August. I, I, this Alabama team is an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team, but Nick Saban is going to get them, I'm pretty sure I said 11 wins in the regular season just because of the caliber of coach he is, and it turns out he's got more than 11 wins and potentially as many as 14. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, – this is just – Great work by him and this coaching staff all around. All right, last game, Mizzou favored by two and a half versus Ohio State. Yeah, I'll take Mizzou on that one uh, against the spread as well. I mean, I think that they win. Uh, I just think that Ohio State's not going to have its full complement of players. And so, yeah, just give me give me Mizzou. We'll keep it simple there. Uh, I think that they match up pretty well this time around with uh, with Ohio State. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Adam, thank you for coming on and talking to us. I hate that we um, we couldn't make it happen during the season, but uh, next time next time these two teams play each other, I'll make sure to reach out. Yeah, sounds good. I uh, look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Um, but we want to thank Adam Spencer for coming on and talking to us last week. I had a ton of fun talking to him. Uh, got settled back in after moving during the season. Um, so, for this game, I think it really comes down to who wants it more. Because um, both of these teams, Ohio State's good for as much as we roast them. They do have a good team this year. Um, but, Mizzou has zero starters opting out of this game. And Ohio State has, I believe, seven starters that are not playing in this game. So, I mean, I think that by right there tells you who wants it more. Um, and the two losses that Mizzou has, they were able to take good teams down to the wire, one possession games. Ohio State lost pretty big in their only actual challenge of the season. I mean, yes, they played Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that's not all that good. They uh, beat Penn State, once again, a Penn State team that's not all that good. And their only real challenge this season, they uh, they lost pretty big to Michigan. And I personally think that, Ohio, that Mizzou makes an Ohio State just look silly. Exposes Ryan Day for the mid-coach he is without a bunch of seniors on that team. I just, I don't... I don't see a way that Ohio State can beat this Mizzou team if Mizzou plays the way they have 
for 12 other games this year. And I think I'm, I'm... Hello? I rub it just like because Ohio State even to be there. Obviously, they went 11 to 1. They had a, a great season, but of course, you know, 30 in a row, they lost to Michigan. Um, they were the number one team uh, for a good part of the college football playoff bowls before, you know, Georgia took it back. Missouri definitely wants to be there. Like, this is the biggest game they've had. Shit. Um, I mean, postseason game in a very long time. I don't remember the last time they were in a, power, uh, a New Year's Six type of bowl. It's been a while. Had to have been 2013 when they um, lost the SEC. But, hmm. They might have played in the Cotton Bowl that year. I don't. My my internet's spotty. I can't look at it. But it's 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 been it's been at least at least a decade, right? Um, because they've been wandering the desert, you know, going six and six, five and seven, all of that. That's they've been a big surprise. So I mean, they are they are going to get up for this game. I think Missouri's going to win. Um, cover whatever that is now. And they the, the spread's been kind of going all over the place since since it opened. Um, it opened as Ohio State being a favorite and then Missouri being a favorite. And I think Missouri is still a favorite on FanDuel. Um, it's a little bit different than what we had talked about with uh, with Adam you know, a couple yes. of days ago. Ohio State, but, I want to say, was favored too last week when we talked to him. Yeah, what, um, yeah so it's not – so I think I think Missouri's favored now. Or if they are, it's, or, or it's close to a pick on my camp. Like I said, I can't see it. I did I, bet – um, Missouri. I, I, the, don't care. I think Missouri covers whatever it is, whether they're yeah, I, underdogs or favorites. I think I think Ohio State still might be a slight favorite. At least when I last. That's crazy. So I I on 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 FanDuel when I got here. Um, online gambling. It's 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 paradise. For that stuff, for the degenerates that we all are that are listening to this, but um, yeah, but I I bet money line on Missouri to win this game. I still think they're they're going to so uh, go. Uh, they're going to take it back and see Kamal's naked with that cotton bowl trophy. Yeah, so I did look it up. Twenty thirteen, Mizzou did play in the Cotton Bowl and they beat Oklahoma State. So. Um... Mizzou having a good season and beating a team nicknamed OSU. There we uh, go. It's a tradition unlike any other. Let's go. Um, did, did you see that that in in uh, in Syracuse because it was kind of does tie to Ohio State that they were super excited about having Al McCorn had like welcome signs and billboards for him. Um, yeah, so Wes was telling us about that. I hadn't seen any pictures. Yeah. Man, like I, maybe, maybe he's good without the pressure of being in, like an Ohio State quarterback, but who knows, man. Some guys were not good at their last place and go to yes. another school and play extremely well. I mean, Jaden Daniels won the Heisman after... His team essentially, like his teammates, hated him at Arizona State. So, crazier things have happened. Um, and you know, as much yeah, they called him trash and raided his locker. Yeah, and as much as we talk trash about Kyle McCord, I think 
it's only because he played for Ohio State. I wish the guy the best, especially going to Syracuse with a lot of Georgia players and um, yeah, and a former Georgia coach as their new head coach. Yeah. Like, yeah, give me ten wins next year. I'm not going to be upset about that. Just they could, man. They Ohio East. State. I'm going yeah. to wish you not good things in football. Yeah, all the bad things at Ohio State and Columbus. They already have to live in Ohio. So he, he already won by leaving the state. So good for him. Yeah, they That's could. True. That's true. He, who, who, he definitely get, took at least one dub with this transfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we will see. Syracuse might be a problem next year. Who, who knows? I mean, the ACC is not very good. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to the Peach Bowl. So once again, the audio version of the podcast, we will have our interview with Grayson Weir, right? All right, guys. So for the Ole Miss versus Penn State Peach Bowl game, we have, of course, uh, asked Grayson Weir to come back on the show and talk about this game. Um, so how are you doing? Doing well. I mean, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Like, obviously, Christmas rules and the holidays rock, but we got football on at 1.30 yesterday. That Western Kentucky game ruled. Uh, it was fun. Game. I mean, the people who say that there are too many bowl games, like, come on. What are we doing? Yeah. This this is the best. This is the best time of year. We got NFL on a Saturday this week. We got NFL on Monday this week because of Christmas. Like, it, it really couldn't be better. And then we just get right into the New Year's, the New Year's Bowl. So, this time of year is my favorite time of year from – pretty much feast week through the new year. So we're rock and roll and we're feeling good. We're just ready to uh, see what happens with all these, these upcoming uh, new year six matchups. Yeah. Um, one thing. So I know Mike and I had talked about it maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks. Um, the bowl that took place yesterday was supposed to be the Bahamas bowl, but they mm-hmm. were renovating the stadium. So for anyone that had questions like us on why the hell they took one of the best bowl games away, they did. The Bahamas is just fixing their stadium. Yep, and that's how they ended up with uh, – they needed, like, the last-minute stadium, so they ended up playing at Charlotte. And then they needed a last-minute sponsor, so they ended up with the famous Toastery, which I don't think anyone yeah. knew of before yesterday. Um, Funny they're... enough, I've been there once. The one oh, in Charlotte. that is – you might be the only one. I was, I've uh, never heard of it, yeah. Friends of mine lived pretty close at the time, and um, these are the same friends that – try to uh try to destroy your liver every time you hang out so you know good old getting up at noon on a saturday morning and they're like where are we going to eat breakfast and this place was two miles away famous toastry yeah their their website which is hilarious to me that they weren't prepared for this their website crashed yesterday for the entire second half of the game because everyone was like, what the heck is Famous Toastry? And everyone was trying to click on it at once and their site went down. But anyway, yeah, great great start to the week. I mean, we had good games over the weekend. I don't know when this podcast is running, so this could be outdated by now. But, uh, I mean, the Toastry Bowl was awesome. UTSA, we got Chad Pennington's son is starting for Marshall on Tuesday, Tuesday night now as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I mean, we, it's just going to be a fun next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm really excited for that Arizona-Oklahoma game. Yeah, that'll be fun, too. Yes, yes. We've been calling, I mean, since like week four, we've called Arizona the scrappy dudes because they've been, at the time, they were just holding on to all these high-level teams and they started beating them. 
So we've been mm. we've been on that Arizona train for most of the season, and now you got Oklahoma without like half of their offense. I think that yeah, without Dylan Gabriel and all that. Yeah, man. Yeah, but Jackson Arnold though. We'll see. I mean, we were without the OC too, because because Levy's yes. now down in Starkville. So, well, actually, I don't know if he's coach. I don't think he is coaching the Oklahoma the bowl game. I'm not sure, but anyway, that'll be that will be a fun it game. There's like a lot Scott of good ones. Would not let him back in the office once he took that job. No, that's what I would think. Um. So yeah, Ole Miss and Penn State. So we already got off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> So Ole Miss is currently the 15th ranked total offense and 19th scoring offense um, going against a Penn State State team ranked first in total defense and third in scoring defense. How much does this concern you or is it a sign of how bad the Big Ten offenses were this season? I see I've been back and forth with this. I actually work with a lot of Penn state guys and they keep trying to tell me, Oh, that defense, you know, they're going to stop Ole Miss. I don't know. You know, I, I feel like it's like, okay, Penn state didn't really play anybody. And when they did, they lost both games. Their defense looked not great in both games. I mean, their offense looked worse. I think their Penn state offense is really, really pretty abysmal, but that defense, I mean, it was good and they've got a good big 10 defensive line. I don't think it was great. I think Ole Miss faced a lot better defenses throughout the entire season, especially Georgia, especially Alabama. I mean, shoot, even LSU, which had one of the freaking worst defenses in the country this year. I think if you put LSU and Penn State's defense on the field on paper, I think they're pretty equivalent in talent. Obviously, on the field, we've seen that LSU can't stop a nosebleed. But when you look at, you know, on paper and you look at the talent on both sides of the ball, you're looking at an SEC defense versus a Big Ten defense. And yes, I'll give credit to the Big Ten where big credit is due. A couple of really good teams in there. Eh, I don't know. And then it also helps that, you know, Chop Robinson's opted out at this point. So you've got the best player on Penn State's defense isn't playing, um, which I think is not only good for Ole Miss, um, I, I think it's a significant loss for Penn State. And I know that sounds silly because obviously losing your best player is a significant loss. But everyone keeps saying, oh, it's fine. They've got other people around him. Do they? You know, do they really kind of chop was the dog this year um, and and him opting out is a, a big deal. And then, of course, Lane, you know, congratulating him and wishing him all the best in the NFL was very funny. Once he opted out, um, I, I know that Lane and the staff in Oxford were pretty stoked to see that he he's not playing. And then I can't think of the other dude's name right now um, from Penn State, but their best defensive back is is out, too. So you're looking at really two of the best players on a defense that I think was, again, good, not great. Um, or let's even say very good, not great. Um, I, I don't see a significant – what's his – Johnny Dixon, that's his name, the other cornerback. Uh, so Johnny Dixon and Chop Robinson are both out, two of the best players on that defense. That was, again, very good in total, total defense and scoring defense. All that's great. Who'd they play, Paul? You know, they, they didn't play nobody. Uh, so I, I'm not super worried as Ole Miss's offense about the Penn State defense. Perhaps that's naive. Perhaps it will come back to bite the Rebels in the butt. Um, but but when you look at it on paper, I, I think Penn State's defense is probably overrated based off of their opponents. And certainly so when you take out Johnny Dixon and Chop Robinson. Yeah, Jackson Dart's by far the best quarterback that they're going to end up facing. J.J. McCarthy was hurt in that Penn State game. Yep. Uh, Kyle Han McCord 
off of Syracuse. So that speaks volumes there. So yeah, it's be wild. Um, That's a good point. I hadn't considered the quarterback situation, even the two teams that they did play. It was mm-hmm. JJ McCarthy who, again, like you said, was hurt in that game. So he wasn't even at, you know, his best and they still mm-hmm. lost. And then yeah. Kyle McCord, you know, he couldn't go anywhere but Syracuse. Like, well, and that Penn State game or the, the Michigan game that they had, that was uh, Harbaugh's uh, first game that he, well, first game of a second suspension that he had. That's and true. So just every, all, all the emotions everywhere and they still couldn't find a way to win, you know, that big noon game. That's true. Uh, um, possibly uh, the best quarterback that they played that was healthy all season, uh, Talia Leah, Tumba right? Bailoa. Yeah, and yeah. he had two hundred eighty-six passing yards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a that's a good that that's a good defensive performance. Yeah, two eighty-six is good. You know, holding someone under three hundred, good. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it is it Maryland is Maryland's offense equivalent to the one in Oxford? No, no, no. Maryland's the definition of mid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Talia mm-hmm. was fun though. That was a fun career. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So, how much of an impact um, is uh, Lane Kiffin's game plan going to have or reflect on both of Penn State's coordinators being gone from this game? I actually think that's the kind of the biggest challenge for mm-hmm. Ole Miss uh, because you don't know what the game plan for. You don't know. I, I would your assumption would be that they run the same offense and the same defense for the bowl game that they ran all year, but you lose both of your coordinators. And that could not be the case. So best case scenario, you're looking at a situation where whomever it is, and I'm not actually familiar with who it is, but whomever it is that's filling in as the offensive and defensive coordinator, if they run the same system, but then have to scale it back, just base and make it more simple. That's great news. Um, Do I think James Franklin will probably keep things pretty consistent? I do. Um, the faces you can look at the tape you can look at the schemes you can look at oh you know this formation is this tell this signal uh is means run this means pass whatever you can do all that stuff but then you don't know what that offense or that defense looks like without the guys who are calling that offensive defense um so it could look totally different come uh december 30th i just i just don't think that you can prepare for a specific offense in the same way, but you can prepare for the same general schemes. Um, And again, best case scenario, those same schemes are being run on a more simplistic level, which only helps Ole Miss. So I just looked it up while we were talking. Um, Penn State is going to have Mike Yurich, Yurich call plays. He's been calling plays since... um, after the Michigan game when they fired their offensive coordinator. And okay. so that'll be the same. Yeah, but they put up 27 on Rutgers and then 42 on Michigan State, who's a borderline group of five team at this point. So, <laughs> oh, like FCS team. Michigan State was piss poor. Yeah. So there's no real telling how it's going to look against an actual team. Yeah. And then I'm looking at it here. Shout out to Google. Um, obviously. Uh, during bowl season, interim co-defensive coordinators, Anthony Point Dexter and Rob Smith will continue to leave the defense. So it seems to me if you're naming co-defensive coordinators, that means neither of them are calling the defense and that they're going to probably stick with the same scheme that they ran all year. So that actually does kind of help to some extent 
where you've got two guys who don't really know how to call a defense um, who are now taking over the role. So I, I think the coordinators being gone can only help Ole Miss um, if things are the same. If things are completely different, that actually could be detrimental for, for the Rebels. But I don't think so. So moving on to the defense a little bit. So with Ole Miss struggling to stop the run against some of the better teams they've played this year, does that concern you with Penn State being 24th and rushing offense and that pretty much being their only offense this year? Um, no, I don't think so because you could stack the box. And I think you've seen equal running games in the SEC this year with great running backs and great great backfields and quarterbacks who can run. So the Ole Miss has seen everything. From, I mean, Drew Aller's not going to run the way that Jaden Daniels did. And, and Penn State's offense, to some extent, is not equivalent to the run game at Alabama, the run game at Georgia. So you've already had these tests. And even in those two losses, too, the Crimson Tide and the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs maybe will put aside because that was pretty ugly. Um they were in those games, you know, so I, I think you've proven that even if the run game does struggle, run defense rather does struggle against Penn State's offense and, and their strong rushing attack, you could stack the box against them, force them to throw. And then if they do force them, to th- if you do force Penn State to throw, they've shown this year that they can't do it consistently. Um, so I think, do I, does it concern me? No. Um, and again, this could be naive. Ole Miss could go in there and and make all of us rebels look really silly. But I think there's a pretty good feeling in Oxford that this team, um, especially with the players, the vast majority of the defense returning. I mean, Jared Ivy, JJ Pekis, all of those guys are coming back. Um, so they're playing in the game. They'll be ready to go. I, I don't think you're that concerned. Um, and I know that that could this could be used as a freezing cold take soundbite in, you know, two weeks, but, but I don't think you're that concerned about Penn state's run game, especially considering the defenses that they've faced this year. I mean, they, they really haven't played. Iowa's defense is good. Michigan's defense is, is very good. Ohio state's defense has been good. That's kind of about it. Um, so I, I don't think there's a huge concern there with the run game. All right. So what are you most confident Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, as far as, you know, concern about Penn State's passing offense, um, the second best pass catcher on the team and top tight end it has opted out of the game. Yep. So just even one less thing to be concerned about. Yep. And, and I think that's just a testament to these guys i mean it's the new era where these players are opting out of these big bowl games but i think part of it is was Ole Miss even really con- that concerned if those guys were playing i don't know i think this matchup serves Ole Miss really well um again could look silly in two weeks but this matchup on paper i, I don't see how Ole Miss doesn't go in there and really just blow the doors off of penn state mm-hmm so that kind of goes into the next question. So what are you the most confident in Ole Miss doing well in this game? <laughs> I, I really think it's going to be uh, exposing the corners. And I, I think it's going to be Quinshawn Judkins is going to be establishing that run game early and often. I think Ole Miss will run the ball a lot to start the game. And I think they're going to say, hey, Penn State, stop us. 
you know, just the way that they did, like, right. We just talked about it. They did stop other big 10 teams this year. They did a good job in total offense and in scoring offense and in running offense. Uh, of, or, I'm sorry, run defense, total defense, scoring defense. Um, so almost is going to come in and say, Hey, do that for us. And if Penn State says, okay, and answers the bell, then they just start going to the corners. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Penn State's going to come in and say, all right, we can totally stop Quinchon Judkins. Ole Miss is going to say, try. And then once Penn State does start to crash the box and really narrow in on Q, Ole Miss, I'm very confident that they're going to catch him over the corners and even across the middle. I think they're, they're just going to expose the secondary as the Nittany Lions you know, key in on that run game early. Is uh, I'm assuming, and I think you may have already said it, Bentley is playing this game, correct? From what I understand, he's playing in this game, yeah. Uh, I, he's been dealing with injuries on and off down the stretch, so he may end up being not a healthy scratch um, and not an opt-out, but just like a legitimate can't play. Um, but by all accounts, he, he should be ready to go. Gotcha. Um, so what is the biggest concern for the Rebels going into this game? I think I think it's complacency. Um, I, I think in looking ahead and 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 not being ready to step up to a Penn State team that is good. You know, they're a good team. They're in the Peach Bowl for a reason. They're in the New York Six conversation for a reason. But when you look at Penn State versus the other SEC teams, like we kind of have done over the last ten minutes or so, um, they're not the equivalent. I think I think Penn State would be bottom of the sec i think they you know they'd be sitting around auburn and mississippi state in the sec west and and so i think you're looking at my biggest concern being almost going in there and not being ready and being overexcited and thinking that they're going to run down this team's throat and you know expose them over the middle which they should but if you go into it with that mindset of oh this is going to be a cakewalk oh you know we're going to make this huge statement before then next year being in the national championship conversation um, I, I think you could get, you know, you could show your show your ass and, and and really be in a situation where Ole Miss comes in too cocky, too excited, too ready to go, and then Penn State punches them in the mouth and they don't know how to answer. So that's my biggest concern is if Penn State goes down and runs a 15-play, 98-yard drive to start the game, you know, I think it's how does Ole Miss answer. And if Ole Miss can't answer on a quick play, I think it should be a quick play. I mean, if Penn State gets the ball – and answers with a, a hard-nosed scoring drive and Ole Miss can't just eliminate that, it could be a longer day. So I think that's my biggest concern. If Ole Miss comes in not ready to answer that initial punch with that something, you know, if they don't have that counterattack ready, then it could get ugly, but I would be shocked if they're not, you know, fully prepared and, and ready to go. All right, so one uh, kind of question that pertains more so to next year before we get into the New Year's New Year New Year six picks. Good lord! Uh, so as of today, Lane has the number one transfer portal class uh, in FBS. So how are you feeling going into uh, next season with what he's been able to pick up? Awesome. I mean, if you look at this Ole Miss team for next year, and I think this goes back to our last question. I mean, you mm-hmm. there's a first time, perhaps since. You know, before any of us were born, 1950s, 60s, you know, uh, Ole Miss has a legitimate national championship conversation next year. 
there's a on paper as of right now things can change injuries offseason etc but if you just look at this transfer portal class right in this current moment with the talent that's returning on both sides of the ball you're starting 22 can compete with Georgia, can compete with Alabama, can compete with Ohio State, can compete with Washington, can compete with Texas, can compete with Florida State, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as of this current moment, if you're Ole Miss, you got to feel great about next year. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you got to be really optimistic because this defense is going to be one of the best defenses in the SEC, which they're good this year, good enough this year to get the job done. They weren't great. I think next year that defense is great. The offense, which this year you could go so far as to say was great, but I'll scale it back and say very good. They're going to be even better next year. You're adding three of the best wide receivers in the country, not including the freshmen that are already in the team, Aiden Williams and Caden Lee. You know, so you're looking at one of the stacked wide receiver, best wide receiver, probably the best wide receiver. I'll go ahead and say it. You're looking at the best wide receiver in the room in the country next year on paper. You've got to feel great. But the problem is, can you put all of that aside? And I've been struggling with it this, this last week or so. I'm already looking ahead to next year. That's not good. You know, that's not good. You got to beat Penn State first, make a statement, and then look ahead to, holy crap, this team, there's no reason that Ole Miss should not be a top 10 preseason team. I think top 10 preseason rankings are are bogus, but there's no reason that they shouldn't be in the top 10. I think there's a case you could put Ole Miss in the top five for next year if they go in and pound Nittany Lions. This team's going to be awesome. And and Lane's not done yet. Pete Golding's not done yet. You know, Walter Nolan, as of this recording, is still out there. They might be able to land a big fish. I heard Georgia's trying to drop a bag. We'll see. I heard I so. Oregon's I so. in the mix. So. We'll see. Texas A&M <laughs> believes that it has a legitimate chance of retaining him. Maybe, but I've been told that Texas A&M doesn't have any NIL money by all the Aggies fans. So I, I don't know what to think. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? You know, I come out and ran out when they yeah. bought the most expensive class of all time and they all left after two years. Yeah, but then but then they're like, well, we don't have any money. It's like, yes, you do. You know, then how are you getting back in the conversation for Walter Nolan? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, we don't have any money. We're broke. We're poor. You know, whatever. But then you can't also say, oh, we want Walter Nolan to Walter Nolan to stay. We're gonna throw a bag at him. You can't have it both ways. So we'll see. Pete Golding and Lane are not done yet. I think the offensive side of the ball is likely done because you've already got uh Quinchon Judkins is only a junior next year you know so that's already locked up you've added a running back you've added juice wells like there's a real opportunity to to make a statement in 2024 for Ole Miss to to really I mean anything short of a 12 team playoff on paper as of this current moment is a disappointment anything short of potentially a final four appearance would be a little bit of a letdown when you think about how awesome this team could really be sure so last thing we're gonna pick some new year's six games um we're gonna give you the spread like we have but we just want some straight up picks yep first game we're talking about mizzou two and a half point favorites versus and ohio state so i took this one i'm currently sitting on a ticket at mizzou six and a half plus six and a half Oh my um, God. I, like when I, I saw it, it was like plus half? two and a half. Good plus Lord. six and a half. I jumped on it right when it opened, knowing that more than likely Ohio State was going to see these opt outs. McCord, I had a feeling there was something weird going on there. So I'm sitting on Mizzou plus six and a half. Um, I actually, the more and more I get closer to the game, I might cash it out at plus money because I think Ohio State, as of right now, we I, it seems like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be playing. Um, Who's not throwing the ball? 
that's the question. The kid that right? couldn't beat out Kyle. Is Ford. it Devin Brown? Is he starting at quarterback? That's uh, that's my understanding. It is it it is Brown. Yeah. The guy okay, that so I, would have taken over Kyle McCord's job if he was healthy in the last week of the season. He would have he would have started this year if he was you know fully healthy through through training camp. So yeah. I, I, the more the closer I get that six and a half, I'm actually getting cold feet. Um, so I'm going to lean right now. I'm going to go Ohio State beats Missouri uh, wow. just because I think Marvin Harrison Jr. If if Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing, I, I think he's a he's a difference maker, and I think he could win that game. If Marvin Harrison Jr. does not play, Mizzou in a blowout. Uh, next game, Georgia minus 14 versus Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Um, I think Florida State covers the first half. I think Georgia covers the whole game and wins pretty comfortably. Um, I mean, we'll see what Rod Maker or whatever can do. Maybe this kid is the truth. Maybe he is like the next coming of Christ. We we don't know yet. Um, I don't think so. I think Georgia Georgia wins pretty big, but I do think Florida State will keep it close in the first half. Uh, we got one of the odder matchups of the year, Liberty versus Oregon, who are currently 17 point favorites. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Oregon wins the game. I don't know about the spread. Um, I'm really interested to see this game. I'm probably going to stay the heck away from it. I think Oregon should, we were talking about this a little bit before, uh, we hopped on and started recording John, um, Liberty should get destroyed in this game. Oregon, there's no reason that Oregon shouldn't go in there to stop him. But Jamie Chadwell has got a great staff. He's got some talented players. Um, could they keep it close? Maybe. I don't, I don't think so. I think Oregon wins pretty big. Uh, we're going to switch over to the playoff games and pick Ole Miss last. So Washington versus Texas. Longhorns are currently favored by four and a half. This one's giving me the most trouble. And I've been uh, watching this line very carefully. I think Washington at this point is the team of destiny. Michael Penix Jr.'s magic. This guy is just like, no matter what happens, no matter how poorly he plays, he still finds a way to get the job done. From what I understand, and I'd have to double check this because I'm not going to bet this one until we get closer um, and know for sure, but it seems like all the Washington receivers are playing. It seems like that offense is going to be intact. Um, If that's the case, Washington has a shot here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Washington's magical season continues. I think they lose in the national championship to whomever they play, but I think Washington can get there. Um, and that, you know, that's a big statement because Texas is very good. I think that's the best. I think it's the most fun New Year's six bowl game. Oh yeah. And a rematch of last Mm -hmm. year's Alamo bowl too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even mm-hmm. remember that. Was that the, there was the video. No, that was Oregon. I think a couple of years ago where he goes where the guy was on the boat at the, at the Alamo bowl. And he's like, you're a, you're a walk on or something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you guys offline. But if any, any deep cut listeners are still listening and know what I'm talking about, they, they know how funny that was. Um, second, second playoff game, Rose bowl, Alabama versus Michigan is currently favored by one. you're going to have to be hard pressed to get me to pick against the crimson tide here. I mean, I I know that Michigan is, is 
supposed to be their best team they've had since Bo Schembeck or whatever. I don't think JJ McCarthy's that special. I think he's good. I think he's fine. Whatever. I think Blake Corms are very good running back and Donovan Edwards is a nasty one-two punch. Great offensive line. And offensive line is something that I hold dear to my heart. So I, I will give credit to the Michigan offensive line. They will be able to run the ball a little bit early. Um, I think Alabama's just it's just Alabama. You know, it, like this team if if this team makes the national championship, let alone wins the national championship, this is Nick Saban's best coaching job ever. Oh yeah. I'll um, say before before we before we go on to that, um, people have asked me about Michigan. This is I think this is their worst of the three teams that they've sent to the playoff. I think this is their worst team, honestly. Uh, Donovan, Donovan Edwards isn't hasn't been as explosive. JJ McCarthy, no. not I don't I think he was better last year. Uh, the defense is still really good, but I don't. Again, I don't think it's as good as last year. That 2022 team should have been the one to win it all if they were yeah. going to do it. But I don't know. They, I don't know. They have a horseshoe up their ass too, just like Alabama. So we'll see. Yeah, I do. I do like that take though. That that this is the worst of their three teams. That's mm-hmm. that's. I, I can get behind that. I mean, we'll yeah, see. Why? I think that's gonna be a good game too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think Alabama is just. It's just. It's. It's Alabama. Yeah. Like, they, I just, and we know they that's have a head such pick a for you and not a heart pick. Yeah, so if it was do. a heart pick, you'd pick Michigan by 30. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. I really hate Michigan. I might I might hate Michigan more than, than I hate the Tide, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Bama. And uh, in last game, we've got the Ole Miss Rebels versus Penn State, who are currently favored by three and a half in a very odd line. It is a really weird line. Um, and it makes me wonder what does, what do I not know? What am I not seeing here? Like what it, it, if I was not a fan of the team that I, an alumnus of the team that we are currently speaking about, uh, I would be very skeptical of Penn State minus three and a half. I would, I would wonder as a, as a sports better, why the heck is this that way? Um, I don't, I don't know because I mean, really like, putting my bias aside like i don't know how Ole Miss loses this game i just don't i don't see it i've run it in my head a thousand times and perhaps that's how Ole Miss loses this game like we talked about what's my biggest concern i, I don't know how they lose and i think that's my biggest concern um so i'm gonna go Ole Miss. i mean i really do think that they win pretty big here um and then i'll circle back really quick the more that i keep thinking about this I hope that Texas beats Washington because Texas Alabama rematch in the national championship would be a lot more fun than Alabama Washington. Um, but I do think Washington gets that job done against Texas. I, going back to like July when I said Ole Miss will make it to Atlanta in December 2023, I was right. Yep, you called it. I, I called it. I didn't just. I didn't say when in December. <laughs> but they got there. They All did. The credit to me. They did. <laughs> Yeah, I just gotta love I, I really don't know how <laughs> Penn State without their coordinators, without their two best defensive players, without their tight end. I, even with those guys, I don't understand three and a half. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's I don't either. Um there's not very many New Year's six games that I'm willing to put money on right now. Yeah, me neither. I'm kinda hesitant too. But mm-hmm. If there, if I'm gonna put money on one, it's that one. Oh, yeah, thank you. But hopefully that. See, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is my biggest concern. Like, I don't, I don't know how this team loses, which means that like, 
maybe they will. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, if that's what they're thinking too, then that's concerning. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think it is because I think Lane is, is telling these guys, hey, look, like we have a chance to beat the brakes off these guys. Let's go in and make a statement. Let's really just say, hey, Big Ten, you suck. Like, let's let's do this. And so hopefully, hopefully they get them right. And I, I do believe Lane is a very good motivator when uh, he needs to be not when he is rumored to be leaving for Auburn, like we saw down the stretch last year. Um, but in this instance, the job security's there. The team is stacked up for next year. Lane should have these guys ready to play. And if that is the case, Ole Miss should win pretty handily. I'll say one other thing about Penn State and just James Franklin in general to maybe help you, you know, come off the ledge a little bit, just if, if you were, you know, falling off about your confidence there. I mean, James Franklin can't beat top 10 teams. They do it. But that, like two and 15 or whatever. I mean, it, it's not his thing. He can't do nope. it. But that concerns so, me even more because maybe this is the one he becomes three and 15. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. I don't know how Ole Miss loses this game, which I think is my, my, what scares me the most. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you have a little bit of the Mark Rick anxiety syndrome too. I said the same thing when Georgia was playing Alabama a couple weeks ago. Like, there's no fucking way we lose to Jalen Milrow. Not a chance. Exactly. Yeah. So here we are. There's no yeah. chance we lose to Drew Allar. <laughs> That's even worse. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, so we may have to get that. you on, like, the next day to uh, to talk about that if they do lose I, that game. If they do lose that game, I will not be able to talk that next day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll as see. always, Grayson, we appreciate having you on. Um is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I look forward to uh, having Georgia in Oxford next year. I think that game is going to be awesome. But yeah. I'm not ready to talk about it because we're beating Penn State first. Hell wow. yeah, let's go. Love it. Um, as always, thanks for coming on, and uh, and we'll see you on the next one here. Um, so ooh, for this one, I think that – it really comes down to opt-outs again. Um, good thing for Penn State is that I think their most important opt-out may be their offensive coordinator because without him, they may actually have an offense. Um, problem is they also have their number one tight end, best edge rusher, and a couple of other guys not playing in this game. Um, and Ole Miss only has one guy out. I still do not understand how Penn State is favored in this game. Yes, I know their scoring defense is good, but with the state of uh, Big Ten offenses this year, is that really saying a lot? Um, I think that's a fair question that needs to continue to be asked because I truly have no idea how good the Big Ten offenses are. Minnesota mm -hmm. looked good against... Um, Bowling Green. Bowling Green, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, counter counter baseline quarterback. Yeah, what what does that tell you? Um, yeah. I mean, the Big Ten is currently what two and zero in bowl games, so yeah, yeah. cool, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you're playing before Christmas, does it does the bowl game really tell you a whole lot? I don't know. Um. But I think Ole Miss wins this one outright. Like, I, I'm not normally an SEC homer type of guy. I'm really not. I, I try to call things as I see them. I mean, I picked against Washington in the Pac-12 title game. Um, 
I just, I just don't see it, man. Like, how, how does this Ole Miss team, or how does this Penn State team, even with Ole Miss having defensive troubles at times, they've had defensive troubles with the pass game. I don't see how they, how they are able to score on Ole Miss. I don't know if Penn State's going to be able to score at all. So I got Ole Miss coming with the upset and um, and winning this one outright. All right. Hold on out for a second. Hit the wrong button. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Missouri to cover or to win this outright, take that money line. Yeah. We're on Peach Bowl. Oop, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Same uh, – same, uh, yeah, I, I'm rolling with you as well with that, with uh, Ole Miss. I think they're going to win outright. That's what I meant to say. They'll win money line, went straight up. Again, I don't, like you said, I don't know how they are, how Ole Miss is a underdog in this game, considering that, again, the like they're only missing one player. Favor. It's four and a half. Right, because it opened at like two and a half, right? Uh, or, or something like that. It was less. Yeah. I think last week when we talked to uh, Grayson, it might have been four and a half, but still, I like I don't. It must be because gambling, sports betting is legal in the Big Ten states, but not yeah. most of the SEC states. That's the only thing I can think of on how the line continues to move further in these uh, Big Ten teams' uh, direction. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. It's got to be because I think it is legal in Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I know Michigan gets a lot like, you know, I'm talking about the Wolverines a little bit since they have such a big alumni base and fan base and everything around the country. The line is usually kind of skewed to get to get their money on them. So it's not necessarily always like super accurate of what it probably would be otherwise if it was the same team with like different colors, different, you know, uh, uh, but yeah, man. Don't the, the only thing that works best defender's not in it. And I, don't, I don't know why his name escapes me right now. He just he just opted out and Lane was pretty surprised by it, um, from what I understand. Yeah. So it makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I don't but I'm still I'm still rolling with all this here. Howdy toddy. Let's go. Um we're going to move on to the Fiesta Bowl. So currently, this is one that we didn't get an interview for. Um, we were working on it. Schedules just didn't line up. Um, but Oregon is 16.5 point favorites versus Liberty over under 67.5. And, and I don't really think we're going to spend a ton of time on this game just because I don't think either of us see it being much of a game. Um, Liberty mm. might be undefeated. Might have a top five scoring offense. Might have the number one rushing offense. But you know what they also have? The 132nd strength of schedule. They have zero power five. There's 133 teams. Correct. <laughs> they have played zero power five teams. And the, of their 13 games, only four of them came against teams that finished the season with a winning record. Liberty's good. It's difficult to not have a misstep through 13 games, 
But they're not on Oregon's level, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think Oregon wins uh, wins fairly big in this one. I Will Oregon cover that 16.5? No idea. Will the over-under of 67.5 hit? Once again, no idea. But Oregon wins this one. I, if it's not by at least 14 points, I will be shocked. Oh, you there? No, I'm here now. Okay. Sorry. No, you're good. It's like I probably missed some of what you were talking about, so I, I don't know where we're at. Um, I just talked about uh, they have 132nd strength to schedule, played zero Power 5 teams, only four of the teams they played this year, finished the season with winning records. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, there's only 133 FBS teams, so for them to be undefeated and have that strength to schedule isn't – impressive really at all no. i think is uh bo, bo nix is playing in this game correct he didn't yes. he didn't opt out okay um it is as of today he is playing as of today i think they only have two opt-outs um and they're both transfers neither of them were necessarily big time starters hmm. i might i might go ahead and call it now i think oregon's gonna win the big 10 next year Ooh. i i i don't I'm not confident in Ohio State. Michigan's going to lose a ton um, after the season, including probably, maybe, possibly Jim Harbaugh because he's not answering the draft questions. We'll get into that later, but uh, the draft, uh, NFL coaching rumor stuff. But um, dude, there, Dan Lanning's got a wagon out there on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Everyone else is going to die. Dysentery going out to Eugene. Ah, dysentery sucks. As someone who's had it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Shout Sounds out to like Polk, it. Louisiana. <laughs> oh, um, so you got Oregon in this one. Are you calling? A, yeah. Are you calling a cover or just money line? Oh, cover. Cover. Oh. Cover that. It's going to be a bloodbath. The likes of possibly Georgia, Florida State. But like I said, we'll, we'll get into that uh, later. Let's Next go episode. ahead and jump right into that one so the orange bowl georgia 19 point favorites as of last night that line has moved drastically um versus florida state over under 44 and a half um so we will go ahead and talk about how much that line has moved i think it started at 13 and a half 14 something like that moved all the way down to 11 and then with all the Florida State transfers, it's just inched back up every day. I want to say two days ago it was 14 and a half, then 16 and a half. Now it's 19. Uh, it's silly. Oh, my God. Almost half of the over-under. Mm-hmm. Almost half. <laughs> so, yeah, that's wild. I'll be honest, man. I really wanted to do a big deep dive on this one. Um, this is another game where we tried to get um, someone from Florida State to come on and talk to us. I don't really know why, but a lot of the people we talked to didn't respond, and the ones that did, we couldn't make the schedules work up with both of our traveling schedule. Um, we tried. you know, We talked to multiple people about it, but it just didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe their uh, media is just as scared of this game as their players are. Yeah don't know um but i mean with the stat deep dive i just didn't i just don't see a reason to do it man 
Florida State is going to be without the following players, and this is a very long list. Jordan Travis, QB1. Tate Rodemaker, QB2. A.J. Duffy, QB4. Trey Benson, RB1. Rodney Hill, RB2. C.J. Crawford, RB3. Keon Coleman, wide receiver 1A. Johnny Walker, wide receiver 1B. Jaheim Bell, tight end 1. Marlston Douglas, tight end 3. A. Preston David, tight end 3B. Bless Harris. He is their backup right and left tackle. Jared Verse, defensive end 1. Fabian Lovett, defensive tackle 1. Malcolm Ray, defensive tackle 2. DJ Lundy, linebacker 1. Hakeem Dent, free safety 1. Almost all of those guys are starters or people that played snaps throughout the season. Everybody but A.J. Duffy, essentially, is a starter or played mm-hmm. significant snaps. Like, insanity. That has to be close. I don't know what the record would be for a New Year's Six opt-out or record, but, you know, t- guys that aren't necessarily... Well, I guess they are transferring, but that's a lot, a lot of key production for them. I know Georgia has their share of uh, transfers and all that, but it's more rotational guys and all of that. So, and as, as far as we know, it seems like Brock's not going to play. It seems like Amarius Mims isn't going to play. It's not near, I mean, obviously big pieces, but not nearly as much of the team as, uh, as Florida State. So yeah. that is that's sanity, yeah. So scholarship players that they have left in some of these positions. One scholarship quarterback, two scholarship running backs, one scholarship tight end. Like that that is who is left to play in this game. I just like I, I don't have any idea how Florida State is going to score points. They're only saving grace for this year not being like last year's national title game is that they have a good defense. Well, it it was good before half of their starters decided they weren't playing in this game. Um, like, I, I don't think there's any way to equate what they did through the season with the team that is going to be playing in Miami with how many people are out. Like, I just, I don't know. It, this is like, a, this is like trying to call Colorado's season before the, before the season this year. Like, no one that played has left. And we, and by, you know, for the record, we prayed about Colorado hitting over on their season over under. They did. Yeah, but it, I mean, I'm excited for the game. It seems like, again, like most of Georgia's uh, defense is playing. You see, like, the Javon Bullard you know, teasing us a bit about, you know, back and everything. We're hoping that that comes true. Kamari Lasseter as well, that he's going to play. Like, I just, I, could it be a shutout? Could we finally, I shouldn't say finally, but. I, does, Florida State, does Florida State score on the first drive like everyone else seemed to do? I don't think so. I think that's going to be a big, big uh, storyline as well, at least for the first quarter while it's close. Yeah, I, like I just, and I'm not even trying to be mean. Because I, I respect the hell out of what this team did this year. But this this team is, there's no one left. Yeah. I just, I don't see how it's in any way, shape, or form possible 
Um, I mean, so during their ACC title game, Lawrence Toa Philly, hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, I apologize. Um, he was their entire offense during the Louisville game. I don't mm-hmm. think Georgia's going to let a wide receiver playing Wildcat quarterback move the ball all that much. I just, I just don't see it. No, not at all. I can't. Yeah, I can't see it either. Um, and we, you know, we've got on, we've got into the portal in every episode since the SEC championship game. So we're not going to talk about the Georgia side here, but there are a few, few guys that played snaps for Georgia, whether it be special teams, um, rotational guys. But as far as like the key players that played down the stretch, guys that got a lot of experience during SEC play and during the SEC championship game. Pretty much all those guys are here. Yep. Um, so this is one where I was just so astounded last night. I was talking to Kelsey about it, about all the guys that they have out. Because I, you know, at first time I, you know, I'd heard about in, you know, guy here, there, but going through the full list of guys that are sitting out of this game, I was just wildly confused and uh, I talked to Kelsey about it. And she said something about Florida State players sitting out as a way to show the committee that they were wrong. But I think the exact opposite. So I think the amount of guys are, that are sitting out are showing the committee how right they were. If these guys had confidence that they could show the committee that they were wrong, they'd be playing. If these guys yeah. were committed to showing that they were one of the four best teams, they would have lined up for 60 minutes and go toe-to-toe with the back-to-back champions. Like I, I, they're not playing because they have enough weakness and quit in them that they know the committee is right. That without Jordan Travis, they are not one of the best four teams. Hell, they might not even be one of the best ten teams in the country without Jordan Travis. Like I, the attitude towards this game is that they are going to lose and it's going to be ugly. And if your entire program believes that, everybody else in the country, I think the dogs win and cover the spread that is larger than Oregon versus Liberty. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you there. Um, FanDuel had a, I mean, I, I know all the sports books have it, where you can do a, you know, guess the uh, guess the score thing, and it's like you know, big, uh, you know, you know, large odds. Like I was I was leaning toward like 38, like 13, but after hearing like I knew a lot of guys were out, I didn't realize that many guys were out. They'll be lucky to get dicks. Like that's yeah. so wild. I think, and I'm I'm kind of with you on that line of thinking about, you know, it's a lot of quit in them. I think one of the things they're trying to save is just the the uh, the argument because like knowing that they're probably going to get blown out if everyone was playing anyway. If they if they have you know half their team or more not playing, they could always have that you know what if oh you know if we we are at full strength, we'd win that game like that you know we're still national champions we're still are in that conversation for, you know, best team of uh, 2023. And they'll hang on to that narrative, even though that's not what's going to, that's not how it would have played out. And that's not how it's going to play out. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you, whatever, whatever the spread is, they can make it 25. I'm still going with Georgia. Yeah. Like I, this is one of those games where I will break my rule of it three possession or higher spreads. I won't touch it because how is Florida State going to score? Someone please explain that to me. I just don't, I don't see how they're going to score. 
If we were I mean, the they're... same team that gave up 40-something points to USC full of backups last night, held yeah, without... 16 with yeah, more starters story. in, there ain't no way they're scoring on Georgia. It's just not possible. Yeah. Without Caleb Williams, they that that's that was one of the more surprising points, to be honest. But yeah, they're not Florida State, even when, when they had all again, most of their guys, even in the ACC championship where they had Ronamaker, they had something like that, not not being able to do much. Uh it's very telling. They could they're they're on the cusp or at least on the you know thought process of getting shut out. So yeah. that'd be fun. Be fun for us, not for anybody else that's watching this game. <laughs> um, all right, guys, it's going to do it for our non-playoff New Year's Six episode. We are about to actually jump back in and record the uh, playoff episode because we do have an interview with that, so we don't want to make this one too long. Um, but as we always talk about, follow our social media at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram, at finderpod on Twitter slash X. Um, just look us up on Facebook and YouTube. Um, check out the merch, and as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. That I'm drunk, I'm Georgia fan.